Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, the podcast where two people pursue and try and succumb to love. Jen, why don't you give a recap of who we are? Well, I'm Jennifer Sanford and you are Kyle Marshall. And we are two people who believe in love, want love, and are trying not to give up on love. We're also two people (laughs) who kind of wonder why the pursuit of love is such a lonely adventure. I mean, we, like I said in the last episode, we commiserate to our, to our friends and our family. But at the end of the day, it's just kind of like us trying to find out who we are and what we want. And I've just never really understood why that's such a lonely adventure. So we just thought, well, why don't we just all come together rather than trying to go it alone? And I think it also needs repeating that we are in no way qualified to either give advice or to be looked at as experts. This is really just our own personal opinions and our own personal histories that we're using to offer you solutions to your issues. Yeah, absolutely. Completely unqualified. Mm -hmm. That's why it's a podcast. (laughs) That's right. Do you know anyone can start these? It's wild. (laughs) Anybody can have one of these. You listening right now can have one of these too. So what are we talking about this week? This week we are talking about deal breakers, which does sound like a great 1980s game show. We are here to talk about the deal breakers within the dating game. I want to jump right into it. Jen, what are your deal breakers? Well, I think before, maybe we should just define like what a deal breaker is, Mm. because I think sometimes people can be too flippant with the seriousness of what a deal breaker is. Like to me, a deal breaker is something that is so incongruent with your values that it becomes like a complete non-starter for you to have a relationship with this person. Is that like a fair way to describe it? Like prefers gelato over ice cream or something no, like, like that. I'm, see, this is what I'm talking okay. about. People get so flippant with it. And I just think like it has to be something that you think to yourself, this is so incompatible with who I am that I'm not going to be able to reconcile carrying on with this person for either the fairness of myself or the fairness of them. That to me is what a deal breaker is. I think that's fair. I think we do need to to break that down only because I think that there are opportunities to grow from that potentially. There's definitely going to be those situations where like, absolutely not. Like this is something that this is a bridge I will not cross. And occasionally there can be times where it's like, I can be encouraged to uh, take that journey with the other person, even though I thought it was something I didn't want to do. But I guess I'll return to that original question. Like just off the top of your head, Are there things that like jump out at you being like, this is something that is not going to work out between the two of us? Well, you know, I remember when we were shooting the cover creative Mm -hmm. for this podcast and we were talking very uh, racy. Yeah, it was very, yeah, we were talking in bed about like, what are your deal breakers? And I flippantly said, uh, because I kind of have two prongs to this answer. I, I flippantly said, if you fart in front of me, I don't. I don't ever want to see you again. Like, I I don't know what it is about flatulence and just the casual nature of it that, that I, okay. So wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second. I feel like there is this perception by so many people like, oh my gosh, like this person finally farted in front of me. That means that we have gotten to this 
new realm of our relationship that they feel comfortable that they don't have to hide from me anymore and you're like no build a fartatorium in the backyard i do not want to hear it or smell it <laughs> i just i'm so sorry but i just have had this moment where i've just realized like i graduated top of my class from johns hopkins and i'm on a podcast talking about farting i'm so sorry <laughs> i'm so sorry okay Listen, I'll make sure that in post, I'll just add a lot of Foley of fart noises as we talk about this. <laughs> Please don't. So, so, yeah, okay. So I'm laughing really hard, but it it is actually, you're actually bang on. It's not to me this moment where I feel like, oh, we finally reached this this place of comfort. I just think that it is it is such a sign of uh, like disrespect. I don't, I can't explain it. And what I find is, and maybe this is like, overly stereotyping one gender but i find that men not only do it but they are proud of oh, what sure. they have done and to me i think that there is no the no pride that should be taken from that exercise so that that's really kind of where my deal breaker list starts i have others but if i'm being totally serious i also have another another pang to this and that's that i was married very young well i guess somewhat young wasn't 16. I was I was married in my mid 20s. He really was the man of my dreams. Honestly, he checked every box with me and we were really on the same page about the life that we wanted to have together and we, you know, built a life together. We had a beautiful home and two careers and you know, we were working toward it. We were in it to win it together. We came up upon a deal breaker. I used to always say there's a deal breaker in bed between us. And this isn't to do with farting, though, again. No, right? no. To, oh, okay, I, okay. I promise, which he did not do. For us, it was that he was ready to start a family hmm. and I was not. And it, this idea of waiting and waiting and waiting for me to either be ready or for the situation to run at a time became a deal breaker for him. And what a heartbreaking experience that was for us because there was really a lot of love there. But ultimately, you know, there was this thing in the room or I guess the lack thereof in the room that we just it just couldn't be reconciled. So I can be flippant about farting and I certainly probably will be again. But really, deal breakers matter because I think had we really done the due diligence on the front end and had I done a better job of saying, you know, this is who I am and this is what I think I, I want to be the next five years of my life or 10 years of my life. I think we would have found and surfaced that deal breaker earlier because ultimately you know, I look back on my marriage and I'm complicit in wasting my husband's time because he came up against a, a deal breaker. Yeah. I, ca I guess I came up against his deal breaker that, and that had such like a tragic beginning, middle and end. We're, I think we're still trying to figure out kind of the, the tone of this podcast in, in many ways. I was actually wanting to ask you that, like you do look at that as time wasted and not like that go-to phrase of it's the journey, not the destination. Like you would throw away that entire relationship uh, if you were to redo it again. Not for me, because my life was better because I had him in my life. I'm so grateful for that time. But for him, like it was the difference between being a parent in his early 30s and then having to go forward and be a parent almost in his 40s with a different partner you know i'm i'm accountable for that 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 was a dream that he held for himself that he needed a partner to help fulfill and i couldn't come to the table as that partner because i just couldn't get my act together i don't think of the time as wasted but i do think part and parcel to that i wasted his time although i will acknowledge that for a good period of time i was a fabulous wife and partner so he has that going for him. But at the end of the day, we we hit a deal breaker that we could have surfaced earlier.
What about you? What about deal breakers on this side? Okay, let me do a flippant one here at the beginning as well, which is poor hygiene. I know, Ooh. and like the easy, the easy one is like, yeah, of course, if you're not like showering or or that sort of thing, of course. But I actually want to go a little bit further than that, which is like just upkeeping your appearance. And it makes me sound so shallow. I realize that. But it is kind of a big deal for me. I want to preface this. I'm not talking about like the Hollywood, like wake up in the morning and your makeup is perfect sort of thing. Like I get it. You're going to wake up. You're going to have messy hair, that sort of thing. That's fine. But I always reference this roommate that I had years ago who is one of those people who, you know, had quote unquote done the research. Oh, right. It's like, really, you only have to brush your teeth like once every two to three days. I'm like, Ugh. oh, hard pass. What? And no. like, yeah. And I was just like, uh, no, I can tell that you only brush your teeth once every two to three days. And that's kind of a it's kind of a no go for me. The hygiene thing is pretty important. And I think that it actually goes to show like how much you not just value yourself, but other people, especially if you are going to be in contact with humans on a daily basis. I think it's actually totally. just being respectful of of other people that are going to be in your orbit. Totally. What's your take on um, like waxing and manscaping and landscaping and body well, hair? Well, here, this is going to be this is going to sound like I'm going back on myself here. That in itself is not a deal breaker to me, mostly because I am also a little bit nervous of having to razor down my jiggly bits. So, I mean, <laughs> so I get it. This would be the perfect cut in for a sponsor. So Mac Weldon uh, makes some great <laughs> underwear. Uh, no, I do think you should be, again, respectful of like the people that are going to be in your life, the people that you're going to be romantic with and like uh, sexual with. But it's not like, oh, you have to have like a certain manicuring of, of your body hair as long as it's like clean and looks nice. I don't know how I'm supposed to phrase this properly. I be I'm also the weird one who doesn't care if women have uh, hair under their armpits. So like I'm the weird one when it comes to this sort of thing. Yeah, I always enjoy the the asymmetry of that. Like I mm -hmm. just think like I keep it tight. It's waxed. It's it's buffed. The hair's gone. Yeah, like I'm 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 keeping it very organized. And then when you're with a partner who looks like they are enveloped in a bear, you just think, "Wait a minute. Why did I go to all this work and you right, just right, right. get to do that?" Do you want your men to also be manicured in that way? Yeah. Yeah, no, well, not like I don't expect like waxing and whatever, but I just right. expect if it's a little bit reckless and men, mm -hmm. I argue that men know like they they look at themselves and they're like, "Ooh, that's a little bit untenable. Uh, right. They know. I think they know. It's not like they're like not self-aware. I think they're looking in the mirror just as much as women are looking in the mirror and they know it shows self-care, which I think shows mm -hmm. self-respect, which shows self-efficacy. I just think it kind of falls then into my value system. But I'm not saying it has to be perfect. I think that there's this perfect balance between like, hey, I'm like upkeeping it and being, and, you know, I'm trying not to be like this, like unruly mess. On the flip side, I've actually dated guys who do like shave, like almost completely, like every, all body hair is gone. And that I find a little bit weird, too. That's a lot of upkeep. That's a lot of upkeep. <laughs> the other one, as far as like. Uh, intellectually, I guess, would be a turnoff is people that I find to be intentionally ignorant. I, I will preface this by saying I have never met this person on a date, but I do see it a lot online where it feels like there is this 
curve someone happening by like, oh, you read, you're pretentious. You know, that sort of thing. Like, I prefer not to engage with any of that stuff or like people being proud, like they haven't read a book since high school. And I'm like, all right, I guess that's good for you. But that doesn't really do anything for me, mostly because it's really hard to have conversations with those people. Yeah, what do you talk about? I've thought about this because because, as you know, I have a I have a political podcast, right? I have a. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yes. Have you heard about it? I have this podcast and I carry an audience and and I I take great care of of a carefully curated political conversation. Yeah. And so it would be really difficult for me to to be, I think, in an ecosystem with someone who's like, yeah, I don't follow politics or just has like a flippant judgment. Like they're all jerks and who cares and government's corrupt. And that's all I want to say about it. Yeah. Nothing makes me want to lose my mind when people say like all politicians are the same as like that is what someone who doesn't follow politics says. Yeah, I feel to me like the veneer that I see behind it is like, it's too complicated, so I don't have to try. And I would be open to someone who has a very different political spectrum than me, someone who's very uh, liberal and and like the political orientation to me doesn't matter. What matters to me is that there's a political interest, right? Or mm -hmm. an awareness or like some ability to contribute to meaningful discourse. Is that kind of what you're saying? Because that's what I'm saying. Is that yeah. And then if you are able to tell me like every race that appears in the Star Wars universe and like when they appeared in what offshoot, you can tell me about politics and you can follow that and have your own opinions and like oh, that's a good point. Form, form positions. It's more no more difficult than that. Agreed. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Totally. Those are some good ones. I mean, talking about those deal breakers, have you yourself come up against one? Like, have you had a date where like someone was like, I am your deal breaker in the flesh? I don't think so. I mean, th there's obviously in every relationship, there's things that a partner does. Mm -hmm. I think you kind of just have little like little trivial deal breakers along the way. So I don't know. I haven't. Have you? So not in a date of itself, although I do have a story. But before I get to that, I, I'm just so curious. You know, we always talk about like red flags, right? About like these big things that like, ooh, that points to something that maybe I should be concerned with. But I also think there's like these little like so small things, but that can like pile up on one another. And I don't know what to call mm. them. No, there's actually a, there's actually a clinical term for it. It's called gunny sacking. When you have <laughs> okay. like a when you have like a central issue and little things happen that go into the little gunny sack that make that gunny sack seem bigger and fuller and wider. It's mm. it's a real term. Mine, honestly, I always fear of saying these things out loud because it makes me sound so petty. But the biggest thing for me is people who don't finish eating the thing that they ordered. Oh, oh <laughs> it's, no. It's such, it's such a wild thing. Like, And I'm not talking like, oh, we went to a restaurant and I didn't realize it was going to be like five plates of food that they're bringing out to me. I'm talking about like you ordered the butter tart and you only ate a quarter of it and are going to throw it into the trash after mm, food we're done. Waste. I wonder yeah. what the core trigger of that is. It's probably because I grew up like not super well off. This yeah, is what yeah, I'm going to guess. I find that those little ones, they come from somewhere. I know for me, I will get really caught up in issues about value. If I put all the dishes in the dishwasher and right. then I also have to then be the one to empty the dishwasher. And then there's more mm -hmm. dishes that have just been piled in the sink. And I become like the ambassador of the dishwasher. It slowly gets into my mind that I'm not feeling valued. And then when you're always, you know, picking up stuff and you're wiping down counters and, and it can really reveal itself very quickly when you live with someone, which is probably why I so aspire to live alone. I think what it harkens back to me is that 
my mother was always like the workhorse. And that's how she found value in herself was how she was able to do things for others. And I sort of watched my mom become the person who always cleaned up after people and who always had to be responsible for being the person to start a project and finish a project. And I think that I get so nervous that I will be in a position to be emulated in that in that regard, that I, I can overreact to situations like that. And then, of sure. course, then you have the person across from you being like, what's the issue here? This is a this is a dishwasher. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. it's just a dishwasher. But it's also about the fact that I'm up over top of this dishwasher twice a day. I mean, it goes into those like love languages, which I don't know how much those are actually like proven to be true. But they do talk about how like some people give love by like giving gifts. Some people give love by making food. Some people yeah, give love. Service. Yeah. Acts Words of service. Words of affection. Yeah. Right. Knowing that about your partner is good because then that's how you can reciprocate because that's how they need to have love shown to them. Exactly. Well said. Okay. Here's my story. One of my favorite pastimes when I was still able to do so was I loved going to cafes and like, I'm going to use quotes here, doing work, which is like 30% doing work and like 70% eavesdropping on other people's conversations. Oh, yeah. Anyways, my one of my all time favorite things is realizing that it's a first date that's going on and being like, OK, let's strap in. I am ready to hear what's going on over here. The one that jumps to mind is she was trying so hard, so hard to get anything out of this guy. And he was giving her nothing. Oh and I just God. wanted to go over and like. Buddy, just say five words because you, she is doing what? so much work. Why wouldn't you go over there and say to her, get out Come of there. Come over here. Get out <laughs> get of there. Out. Come over here. Get out. Or like you can do better. This is not going to work, you two. Let's just stop it now. I'll just say the brand name. I don't know if we can, but there's a Starbucks attached to a bookstore. And she was like, you know, what kind of books do you enjoy? I don't read. Like three word answer. <gasps> it's like, oh, okay, what do you do? I like video games. Great. What kind of video games do you play? First person shooters. I'm like, buddy, like if you do not start answering these questions with more than three words. And then lastly, it was like, which ones? Like which first person shooters? And it was like all of them. <gasps> uh, I know. I was just like, you do not deserve <laughs> to be on this date with this person. How did this happen? I'm going to get you like a like a yellow traffic vest that mm -hmm. just says date police on it and you can just intervene and say this is on behalf of somebody date kyle and jen this is that over. would be perfect i really want to do like the soccer referee just like blow the whistles like red card <laughs> like you need to get off the field like <laughs> off the field now this is not gonna work anyways they like talk for a few more minutes and then uh she <laughs> she got a phone call or text, which yeah. I don't think was real, and then didn't come back to the table. And it's like, yeah, that's that's about right. That's how that should end. I find that, you know, you have to really be careful because actually on the first few dates with my ex-husband, I had the same problem is that I used to explain it. It was like tennis. I would softly lob the ball like, you know, tell me about what you're into. And he would just smash it right back at you like stuff. <laughs> you just pick up and serve the ball again and you know like tell me about your yeah. family and it's just like they're fine you're just like whoa there's two schools of that right there's the school like i'm being a jerk which sounds like this guy in the coffee shop was but there's mm -hmm. also like the supreme nervousness like the deeply introverted 
trying to date. It should be narrated by David Attenborough. The hedgehog will stay an impregnable spiny ball like this until it decides that danger has passed. I think, you know, I want to give some credit for the introverted, but there are some people who are just jerks on dates. We asked other people. We did. We didn't just ask each other. We asked other people, what are your deal breakers? Kyle, what did you hear? We obviously opened up the phone lines, uh, allowed you to send in your messages, which you can always do going to our website, somebodydatejenandkyle.com. That's Jen with two N's. Of course, Twitter is somebodydate, at somebodydate. And on Facebook, it's at somebodydatejk. We got some messages here this week. I'm just going to go through them in the order that we receive them. Carly writes in and says, it's how you fight. So abuse but also the silent treatment or getting too emotional that they can't solve the problem. I think that this is actually a really interesting thing because obviously all relationships are going to have like arguments and I think it is healthy to have like arguments as long as they, yeah, those don't go into like abuse or not talking to the other person for days on end. There is a way to actually argue effectively without it leading to, to tears. At least I think, I don't know if you have a different outlook on that. Well, I think there's two parts to this. I think the first thing is, is that the universal deal breaker, the thing that we should all share in common is that if you have any form of abuse, mental, mm. physical, emotional of yeah, any kind, that's a universal deal breaker. Get out of there. Get out of there. There's no excuse for you to stay. But the other piece is, is you know, my, my mom used to give me this piece of relationship advice that actually really stuck with me. She used to say, you'll learn a lot about a person by how they fight with you. You have to have a lot of respect for someone to fight with them in a constructive way where it's about working through something to get to the other end and to solve the problem. Um, it's just a really revealing characteristic. And so for Carly to say like the silent treatment is a deal breaker, the silent treatment really at its veneer is saying, I don't have enough respect for you to yes. argue with you and you experiencing the pain of isolation is justifiable to me. So I totally get Carly saying that's a deal breaker. I thought that was a 100%. great submission. Also part and parcel with this. Something has become, I think been getting, has been gaining traction here over the last few years, which is when somebody comes to you with a problem. Men always want to solve the problem. Like they want to jump to like, here are the solutions. Here's how you fix it. And sometimes that's not what the other person is doing that for. Uh, being in that position, we can say, are you looking for a solution? Do you want comfort? Or you just want to like vent at me right now? The four most powerful words in any discourse you have with your with your partner is are the words, how can I help? Because mm -hmm. I think it, it pushes back to the other person to be able to say, I just want to be super pissed off and yell and scream about it. And it's not about you. And then mm -hmm. I'm going to solve it. Or sometimes it's about saying, I, I feel I'm out of options. I don't actually know the way forward. Can you help me? I think that th those are really powerful things to say to a partner, like, how can I help? It, it empowers everybody. I've always wanted to get to that place of what I call the golden girls reality, which is <laughs> having that ability to like complain about something and then have cheesecake afterwards. Oh, and yeah. It'd be like a perfect well, world. Everything's better with cake. Of course. Courtney writes in and says, must like dogs and pickles which I'm assuming is probably a message that she saw on like Tinder or something like that. I'm sure. I, so again, I think the the pickle part is pretty flippant. Like you're going to meet the the person of your dreams and then be like, oh, but you don't like pickles. I Yikes. But the dog thing, obviously, you know that that would strike to yeah. the heart of me. Like poor Kyle has to endure my little dog Griffin in the <laughs> podcast studio all the time. 
But uh, like if if I met someone and they were like, I don't like I don't like Griffin. First of Mm. all, what kind of serial killer are you not to like Griffin? And you (laughs) all you need to do is just go to my Twitter. I'm at the Jen Sanford, Jen double N. Lots Mm -hmm. of Griffin content there for you to enjoy. But I don't know how you would look at that sweet little sweet little king cupcake and think I don't I don't immediately love him like he's my own. Basically, he just sleeps anyways. That's what his (laughs) major his modus operandi is. That's right. His national pastime is sleeping. But I I do agree if you had someone who's like, yeah, I'm not a big fan of dogs or was rough with your dog or like Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that that would be a deal breaker for me. It's. I've never experienced it. I've been so lucky that people have loved Griffin. I mean, what's not to love? Uh, Amal writes in saying, one, gambling slash drugs. All recreational drugs are a hard no. Two, lies. I hate being lied to. I'll figure it out, so just tell the truth. And then three, lack of intelligence, awareness of the world around you, and bad politics. Let's go through all those. How are you with the drugs in your life? You know what? I have no tolerance for it. Ibuprofen for a headache. Like Okay. Ibuprofen for headache. Maybe a little penicillin if something goes wrong, but I am not a fan of of recreational drug use. I think is for too many people, it, and this is so revealing about my po- politics. I think so often it's not used recreationally, it's used as a crutch um sure. or as a defense or a deflection for something bigger at hand. It's used as a coping tool too often for me and that drives me quite crazy. So where is your opinion then on alcohol? You know, I think if it's social and it's a charming characteristic, go ahead. And I appreciate I appreciate the hypocrisy of that statement because people would say they are the same. And believe me, I have heard that argument. I do provide more social license for for drinking uh, than I than I do for for drug use. I think for me personally, it's just about trying to ascertain the highest level of control at all times. And when people drink to excess or do drugs that requires them to lose control, it's just for, it's just not for me. Does that make me a total prude? Uh, yeah, I mean, it does. But uh, I mean, for me, I am so lackadaisical with this stuff. Like, it really doesn't bother me. Let me actually walk that back a bit. I kind of have this life philosophy that unless it is like directly affecting me, then I really do not care what you ingest into your body or what you take. Well, that's probably such a smart way to look at yeah. it, honestly. But if it is yeah, leading to you like stealing things or like driving a vehicle, like, okay, now we're crossing a line where I'm not down with that. The flip side of that is if I was dating someone, there actually is a level that I am comfortable with. And then a, a line that can be crossed like, uh, I don't know if I am down for this being like in my household. I'm okay with uh, like marijuana. I'm okay with like poppers going on. Uh, but if you're doing like Coke or heroin, I'm like, okay, uh, that's kind of a no for me right all- now. <laughs> but like Amal says, that's also not a recreational drug. That's, true, an illegal, that's an illegal choice. To me, I think like doing drugs and heroin, you might as well be firing off a gun in an apartment. Honestly, yeah, pew, it's pew, pew, so yeah. reckless, right? It's so reckless. We've talked about lies here a little bit here. I, this is going back to another roommate. And it, again, drove me nuts. And I was not in a place in my late teens, early 20s when I was in university and this was happening to actually call it out. And it bugs me because I wish I had had the fortitude to actually stand up to this. But my roommate at the time was a notorious liar about Whoa. everything. <laughs> like he lied about stuff that was like obviously this isn't true. 
hey, my my mother dated this extra that was in the Gladiator movie. I'm like, I'm pretty sure she didn't, but okay. The worst is like, I, I could tell a, a story or say something one day, and then he would tell it the next day, basically put, uh, making it sound like he had done that thing, which he had not done. Why? 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 Why are you like this? Why are you doing it this way? It, it just seemed like he was compulsively having to lie about everything to make himself sound better or more interesting. It's like, I don't know. It was a huge thing that really drove a wedge between us. Well, think of the root of that, like the, the lack of self-esteem that existed yeah. in his own mind. Don't make me try to feel empathy, Jen. No, I'm just saying that's the root of it. But I, yeah. you know, I, I, I like Amal's second statement where she says, I'll figure it out. So just tell the truth. That's yeah. such a strong statement because, you know, lies always come out. If you've ever been in a relationship where there's infidelity, it may catch you by surprise, but your senses were sharp. You knew it was coming. You knew that there's something off. Like, don't underestimate the intuition that we have as, as people, especially people tuned in to a relationship, right? Yeah. And I also I also like her last comment because it sounds so much like yours when she says like a lack of intelligence or awareness of the world around you. Just like you were saying, you got to mm -hmm. be tuned into what's going on around you. You got to be a citizen of the world. I just those are all three of those were smart. Uh, and then finally, Ryan writes in saying transparency. They can't open up to me. They're not the one for me. I have had a hard time with this. Actually, that that comment, I have a hard time with this in your notes. That's actually for me. I wanted to oh, make a mention okay. that that's for me. Um, I I love the submission from Ryan where he talked about if you if you can't open up, it's not going to work because this has been something that has dogged me. Kyle, you know me, you know how private I am and mm -hmm. how much I just let my work speak for itself. I have a terrible time opening up. I'm 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 terrified that I'm going to overshare. I'm 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 terrified that they're like <laughs> the more is revealed about me, the less you know magic there inherently is. I have I am often accused of like you know, you're quite secretive about your job and, you know, your family. And, and it's just like, no, I'm just, I'm just a very private person. And I do yeah. genuinely also care about getting to know someone else more than that person probably getting to know me. So mm. I, I found that interesting that, that it was our only male submission. And it talked about something that I was like, oh, no. Well, you know, it's, it's really funny. We've talked about this, of course, offline. The very first time we met one another was in like a work capacity. And it's so hilarious thinking back now <laughs> because you, you mentioned all the time about like, oh, like you wanted to like, like have a friendship being brought. And I was like, no, like this is a work relationship and we cannot cross that line. And I was also like super secretive, didn't say anything uh, to the point where you actually thought that I hated you for the first year and a half that we knew each other. You know what? For those of you listening, Kyle is explaining this so flippantly. Let me just put like the real, like the real tea on this is sure, that sure. I, I met Kyle and knew him to be a fantastic content curator. And I loved his podcasts that he has outside of this one that we share together. And I instantly was like, oh my God, he might be my rhetorical soulmate. And mm -hmm. I have never in my human existence, in my 38 years on this planet, tried harder to get a person to like me. It got so hard that even other people were like, what are you doing? He just doesn't like you. Just move on. What are you doing? You have lots of other friends. And I was like, no. And I would think about it. Like, how do I get, how would I say the right thing and, and, and do the right? I've never in my world tried harder and Kyle does not you did not give an inch 
like not even an inch. You would like get in the arms booth. folded, like shaking totally. my head. No, totally. <laughs> arm, yeah, totally. Just not even an inch. And it was just like, oh, come on. Come on. It was totally soul crushing. I lost all my dignity trying to get you to like me. And it's so painful. It's so painful. The hilarious thing is on the flip side, I just always assume people don't like me. And then that's how I move through my life. But I wanted to say, though, about this transparency specifically, it was world shattering when I started to really address this in my life after going to see a therapist. Because much like you, uh, sometimes things would bother me and they would be pent up and then I would like go into these like anxiety spirals. And now what I will do, uh, especially with like close friends. So you wouldn't know this yet, Jen, but with close yeah, obviously. friends. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not a close friend. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I haven't labeled you that yet on Instagram, so it hasn't become official. Right. If I start to feel that way, then it just saying like, you know what? I am feeling very anxious right now because uh, I put this type of pressure on myself. Like literally just telling that to another person is such a huge weight off my shoulders because now I'm not internalizing everything. And then with a partner, I would want to do the exact same thing. It's like, you know what? I'm feeling like I'm not being communicated to or I'm feeling this way because of these actions that are going on. And that is my emotion that I have right now. And being able to have that brought up to the forefront, I think is just a really uh, open, honest, therapeutic way to, you know, to have that type of relationship. I love that. I love that. Let's go to the fishbowl. So yeah, let's do it. the fishbowl, my favorite segment is where you send in your questions and we answer them in a completely unqualified way. We had uh, here, let's just get out the fishbowl. <sighs> Kyle, here's your keys back. Oh, I don't think these are my keys, which has so many other questions attached to it. Yeah, does it ever. Okay, here's the first question. How soon should you share what your deal breakers are? I mean, I would err on fairly soon. Um, I mean, some of the deal breakers that we have discussed here are somewhat high level. Some of them are also somewhat obvious <laughs> to your initial story that you talked about, about like starting a family and having that sort of thing. I mean, I said last episode that that should be like a first date question. You that did. You, that you, ask. you did. But, I mean, uh, whether it's not the first date, I think it should be fairly soon within the first few dates. Like if you are adamant, like, I do not want to start a family and the other person is like, that is absolutely what I want then is probably best to like split apart then at that point and remain friends if you can. But those types of deal breaks, I think, need to be brought up fairly quickly. This is the difference between Kyle and I, because he's like, if you reach a deal breaker, just try to maintain friendships. And I'm just like, no, I don't ever want to Cut see you again. Cut and run. <laughs> Cut and run. I have friends. Thank you. I think it depends on what the deal breaker is, because you've given the example around like children and especially for like you and I at 38, it's a more pressing question, I think, to know up front. It really depends. Like I'm a public speaker for a living. I'm a writer for a living. I don't know how to have a first date and ask, do you fart in front of women? I don't have that kind of I can't figure out how to get that into a conversation without sounding like a crazy person so i have noam chomsky over here actually who has recorded a message for us and he's going <laughs> to ask you a question that's right i think it depends how how urgent and how serious and significant the deal breaker is but i do think you should try to articulate a deal breaker before the deal breaker occurs mm -hmm. right like i think before you come up against it and have to kind of work your way backwards to say oh that 
really bothers me. You don't want to go down the path of embarrassing or humiliating that person who crosses a line or does something and really wants to make you feel comfortable and 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 that you can have a successful relationship and they kind of feel like they've gone forward and they can't take it back. No, I like that. I keep thinking of a girlfriend of mine. She went on a date with this guy that she really liked and 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 a couple of dates in they went out to a bar and he proceeded to to drink so much that he was so inebriated, made a mess of himself and made mm. a mess of the situation. And it was it was a really uncomfortable situation for everybody. And then the next day, you know, she's like, you know, that really is a deal breaker for me if you're going to behave like that in public. And he was just like, oh, I thought that that's kind of what you wanted. You wanted me to be a fun person. I never drink. That's why it got so bad. And so they had this terrible night unnecessarily. And it's like they couldn't put that genie back in the bottle. So unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a flippant example. But I, I also think if you're getting close to a serious deal breaker, like I'll go back to the example of like, you know, any type of abuse, if you're getting close to it, don't wait for any threshold to occur. Right. right. Use your instincts. But yeah, and do not go into a relationship believing that I'm going to change their mind. Yes, this, this is a deal <gasps> I'm breaker, but I'm going, I'm going to change you over the next like couple of years because that usually also ends in bad, bad times. Yeah, that's just a that's just a free way to heartache. Oh, yeah, I we're going to have to unpack that in an episode of its own. Like I can change you. I can't wait to hear people's stories about, yeah. you know, people trying to change them or them trying to change people. What a fool's errand. Let's right. be so clear on that. You say you're gay, but I'm pretty sure I could change that. Oh my God, that's such an extreme example. Yeah. Um, I was thinking more like, I can teach you how to load the dishwasher properly. Um, okay, I um, here. let's get another question here. Okay, can a deal breaker be broken? Yes, I actually I firmly so. believe this 100%. And I don't really want to get super graphic with this, but I can just say in my own experience, uncovering my own sexuality and stuff like that, there were certain, uh, let's say, positions and things like that that I was like, I'm never going to be comfortable with this. And then with the right partner, I was comfortable with that. So I think that some of those things where it's like, absolutely not, 100% no, can be overcome. Uh, but again, I go back to my thing. Do not go into the relationship thinking you are going to make the other person do that. But yes, I think that there are certain deal breakers that you can go past. I mean, if we're talking about, you know, trivial ones that you've kind of manufactured in your own mind because you've never experienced them and you have a lot of fear associated with them, I think a deal breaker can be broken. Mm -hmm. I, I'll be honest, I had a situation where I, I always believed that infidelity was not going to be tolerated. And then I went through it. Um, mm -hmm. I had a partner who was not faithful to me and, and I stuck in. I surprised myself by the fact that I didn't just immediately leave there was a there was a sense of you know there's there's institutional comfort here there's a, a partnership here there's a, there was a friendship there there was we had really done the work to grow together and so i i do think some deal breakers can be broken mm -hmm. and i it really surprised me because I, I you know i obviously know i have such judgment for <laughs> well you've heard me how many times kyle have you heard me say hillary clinton would be president had she left bill the reason yeah. one of the reasons why she wasn't elected was because people were like, well, she can't keep her husband and she didn't you know, show courage to leave. Like, and I always was like, I am not Tammy Wynette. Like, I am not. I'm not going right. to stand by my man. And then you find yourself in that in that position and you're like, oh, I'm I'm standing here. And mm -hmm. and so I, I do think some deal breakers can be broken. But let me just say again, not to beat a dead horse here, but if it's any kind of abuse or anything that 
causes you anguish or instability or compromises your well-being. It's a universal deal breaker. I, I must have like kids on the brain here tonight because it keeps being the example I go with. But I mean, even that, like I have a, a, a co-manager from a previous job many years ago who I remember working with and her boyfriend at the time, like she was adamant, like, I don't want kids. I'm never going to be a mother. Like, that's never something that I want to pursue. And then, you know, they broke up in her next relationship. She had two kids with that guy and is like super happy. So it's just wild to me like that, like you can really change that, that wildly depending on the partner that you're with. Oh, I wonder so much if that'll be the same of me that mm -hmm. I, I came up against that so, so hard in, in that relationship, but then in a different relationship, it would just be a different set of different set of realities. And I think that there's an empowering part of that, right? Because the ability to change your mind, uh, in your yeah. case, the ability to grow and experiment and, and learn more things about yourself. I mean, one of the things we say is that dating is not just the process of trying to find your forever person. It's also the path of trying to find yourself like learning about yourself. I think we'd never give ourselves enough credit for how we stretch and grow and, and try to learn about ourselves. And so I, I think in that regard, sometimes those deal breakers can be totally fascinating when they're, when they're broken. I got to say, like, if you have questions, not just about deal breakers or not just about what we're talking about for the week, if you have any question, please submit them to the fishbowl. Visit our website, somebodydatejenandkyle.com. That's Jen double N. And look for the giant fishbowl and you'll be able to submit your question. If you submit it, we're going to do something with it. So please submit your yeah. questions. Just move my keys out of the way. Let's talk about unqualified advice for a minute. Sure. So each week we're committed to finding a, a column or a columnist um, who asked a question along the major theme. And we think that the answer was totally bullshit. And so we're going to give better, um, albeit unqualified advice. So in October of 2020, a love, sex and relationship columnist wrote a, specifically about deal breakers and they suggested like all of these ways to manage deal breakers mm. or to navigate deal breakers in a relationship at the very la I was in it to win it with the article and then they got to the end and basically they recommended what's called a shit test and they didn't use the word shit test but but I the the subtext was there so for those of you that don't know a shit test is when an, a girl tests a guy to see what he'll put up with and what she can get away with. I mean, mm. it's, it's not only terrible, but it really is an assessment of power because it's, it's like a series of tests to, and, 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 and you can, you can go on YouTube and put in shit to, I watched a bunch of them because I was so <laughs> fascinated with this and it's, you know, new relationships um, that are casual and, and the girl will say like, Oh, I'm pregnant and it's a prank. And, and then if he doesn't respond just right, then it's a fight. But really what you're doing is you're taking someone's emotions and sense of security in a relationship and, and adding inputs that create instability for you to assess. I just think it's the most disingenuous and gross thing you can, you can do. So like I, I fundamentally believe that, that the shit test is, is an absolutely gross way to, to operate a deal breaker. I cannot believe they gave that advice. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's well said. I mean, there's not much I can really add to that. But I think it goes back to what Ryan wrote in for us, which is that transparency piece. Like mm -hmm. if you are trying to like make someone pass some unsaid tests, like a wizard and an apprentice from like a bad fantasy novel, like it's just is such toxic bullshit. Like, I hate that kind of stuff. Like, just say what you want. <laughs> Tell them what you want and need. 
Yeah. Like where's the advice that just says, if this were to happen, if this hypothetical were to happen, how would you handle this? Mm -hmm. Because I want to know what it reveals about you and your character and how you think, because I'm trying to get to know you because I really like you. Like, why isn't the best way from point A to point B just direct? That's the worst thing. Here's here's the big secret to any advice show. I'm going to spill spill the beans here. 99% of the answers should be, did you talk to them? Because that's going to basically solve most of your issues in, in most cases. Or, and the other half, if it's 99%, then the other 1% is you're the problem. <laughs> right, like, check right, yourself. Right. Check yourself. Are, are you the problem? Exactly. Anytime I, I read an advice column about parents being like, my child does this and I'm flabbergasted by it. I'm like, well, that's on you. You taught yeah. that. What you permit, you promote, girl. Like, I don't, I never understand, I never understand those, those columns, but. And you snap your fingers and then are glad you don't have kids. <laughs> yeah. I, weird. Um, have you ever been put to a shit test? No, I, I can't say that I have. I would hate it. I would hate it a lot if I was ever put through it. Because again, uh, I think it comes back to this recurring theme we've been talking about this episode, but with respect. Like, if you do not respect me enough to be A, direct, or B, to think that I need to be put through some awful situation, I don't know, like starting a fire in, in your own house to be like, what are they going to say first? Because that's what's going to tell me who, what they really love. Like, uh, you're a psychopath. Like, I feel like that's just what this is. It's like the entry point to, to psychopathy. Totally. I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think that it becomes so revealing on the character of the person, right? That they're more preoccupied with drama than they are mm -hmm. with the ultimate goal, which is, you know, to find a, a place of compatibility and to and to build something real. I think it has such a an erosion of trust on on the back end. And yet I offer this as a public service announcement because really, I, and I read the description of what a shit test is exactly as it is most known, which is a woman testing man. And mm -hmm. whether it is a man testing a, a woman, a woman testing a woman, a man testing a man, th the most important thing is, is that you do such a discredit and a disservice to the entire ecosystem of people trying to find love or relationship or or whatever they're looking for in the in the dating space. I I always just just think that they, like you're 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 just a bad egg that ruins it for people who are good people because you know I've I've been on dates with people who almost look as though they've gone through like a post traumatic stress event from mm -hmm. a from a partner that just couldn't bring stability in communication and right. i just what what are you like what are you doing you're just making it harder for the for the next person so you know don't just shit test because it's the wrong thing to do don't shit test because it destroys the ecosystem that we all have to live in no nope, i agree well jen we have provided some advice here this week uh but we're coming back next week next week we have an entire episode about approval what type of approval, Jen? Well, I think we want to we want to talk about can you successfully be in a relationship if your friends and or family and or the people that that love you that are your mm. existing ecosystem don't approve of your choice. I would love to hear your own stories, people that are listening. What are your stories about that same thing? 
Have you gone through that? Would you be willing to date somebody that your family does not approve of or that your friends do not approve of? So you can hit us up at our website, somebody date Jen and Kyle. That's Jen with two N's. You can go over to Twitter, which is at somebody date, and also on Facebook, which is at somebody date JK. And I look forward to discovering what those look like next week. Absolutely. We'll see you next Friday. Thanks for listening. Bye.